Hi, my name is Dan Ariely, and welcome to Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast about science. Every week, I will talk to one researcher about one project We'll have a chat about what they found and what it means for our lives. Dan's guest on this week's program is Allison Adcock, Assistant Professor of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at Duke's Center for Cognitive Neuroscience. So we're sitting here. It's the Neuroeconomics Retreat. That's quite exciting. Are you excited? I'm very excited. Okay. And study excitement. You study excitement. That's right. So um, I wanted to talk to you about how... Our memories of life is not really what life is about That's and right. the kind of the kind of mistakes we have in this so tell me a little bit about your your work so I'm interested in exactly what you just said that that many different things happen to us and we only remember some subset of them and the idea um, that, that that we have and assume and talk about that the things that we remember selectively are the ones that we want to remember okay so we don't just remember a sum sample but it's kind of something that is good for us I think that's I think that's right so something that's important to us and I would go so far as to say the things that you're excited about the things that you have some um, some premonition that something good is about to happen are the things that you're most likely to remember so so you could remember important things or you could remember things that would make you happier in the future which right which one well, so if you think about the distinction between um, the thought that the feeling that you have when you have the thought, oh, I have to remember to, you know, stop and pick up milk on the way home, versus uh, somebody telling you they're about to tell you where to find a kind of wine that you're particularly interested in, I think those emotional states are translated into more effective memory. And so what we have is you know, brain data suggesting that the emotional. What, state, what What do you mean by brain data? Yeah. So we look at. <laughs> So we look at um, the brain's use of, of energy, essentially. So we can see that the brain is more active in regions that care about or report on um, reward or anticipated reward just before people learn something uh, and that that, that uh, reward response predicts the memories that they have for the things that happen in the next few moments. Okay, so first of all, these brains are connected to people, they uh, I'm guessing. People. <laughs> They're in people, okay. Behaving humans. <laughs> yep. Okay, and, and then you do what with them? So we, <laughs> so we put them in uh, an MRI scanner. How, how much detail do you want about this? This is, this is enough, yeah. So you put them in an, in an MRI scanner, and the MRI scanner tells you how much oxygen there is in the blood close to parts of the brain that you're interested in. Okay, and, and from that you basically can figure out which parts of the brain are being used. Yes, it's a relative measure, so they're being used more in some conditions than in others. Okay, and then these people do what in the scanner? So we promise them, so it's a sort of uh, a monetary will this be on the test paradigm, right? So we, we let them know, we give them a stream of information, that information in this case is pictures of scenes which aren't very interesting in and of themselves. Why, why do you pick non-interesting things because we're interested <laughs> interested because we're um, concerned with the question of the the internal processes that uh, that bias the brain to record information so we we want to remove the intrinsic interest from the items that we're presenting people with so that that's not um, the thing that's determining memory okay so they get a set of boring pictures and then what right. 
And before a few seconds before each boring picture, they get a cue telling them how much they'll get paid if they can pick that picture out of a lineup of twice as many the next day. Okay, so that's like uh, identifying crooks in the in the lineup basically later on. That's right. So people that you've seen before versus people that you haven't seen before. People are too interesting for the study. So we use boring <laughs> pictures, but that's the same idea. Yeah. Okay. And then what do you find? So we find that so first of all we have to use quite large rewards for each picture. Um what what's large? So $5 per picture, for example. Ah, that's not too much. Okay. <laughs> um so we uh what we find is that for the high value pictures, the expensive pictures, um, in the few seconds after we give the alerting cue, the brain responds more for pictures that are going to be remembered the next day. Okay, so you prepare the brain to tell it something interesting, important is coming, pay attention, and different amount of monies are, are at stake, and this particular one are big, And the moment that cue comes up, the brain somehow reacts differently to That's pictures right. it should remember versus to pictures it should not care about. That's right. So the, the brain reacts differently, first of all, to the reward cues, right? So as you can imagine, um, the brain responds differently on some high value, some $5 trials than on others. And if the brain responds to the $5 cue, then the picture that appears in the next few seconds is likely to be remembered. If the brain doesn't respond to that $5 cue, then the picture that appears in the next few seconds is about is likely to be forgotten. And is this because people just don't pay attention to the $5? No, it isn't. And the way that we know that is that in other parts of the brain, we see responses in the more visual parts of the medial temporal lobe, for example. We, we see responses to all the $5 cues, whether or not they're remembered. Okay, so, so which parts of the brain is this that tell you whether you will pay attention to the next picture or not? So there are a couple of important parts. So the first very important part is the ventral tegmental area in the midbrain, and this is where dopamine cells live. Okay, and why, why is this important? So dopamine is thought to signal to the brain, so in, in previous work it's been thought to signal to the brain that something important just happened that needed to be recorded. Um, and that the brain needed to update its view of the world based on the things that just happened because they were surprising or mainly surprising and, and uh, behaviorally relevant. Okay, so the dopamine system basically says, pay attention, something important is happening, and that's the system that does right. that particular version. That's right. And the dopamine, so the cells that are there are few in number and spread their, um, their processes to various places in the brain. So they don't probably carry very much information themselves. They alter processing in their downstream, their targets. And the particular targets, in this case, uh, that are of interest are in the hippocampus, which is a structure uh, which has been known for 50 years or so to be important in making memories. And memory, by memories, I mean of the sort that people usually mean when they say memory, you know, a memory for, of, of an event, of a place, and so forth. Okay, so basically, tell me if I'm, I got it right. Uh, there's some cue that tells you something important is coming. Yeah. Uh, dopamine system kicks in. Right and basically affects the kind of memories that we're going to, That's the right. accuracy of the memory that we're That's going right. to, to form. I think it, it, you could say that it fertilizes the brain to, to record the incoming information. So, so let's say you wanted to really remember what I'm going to tell you next. Mm -hmm. What would you do? 
So you would, well, assuming that you had control over this, you would get yourself aroused and excited, probably. We don't know um, what subjective state that corresponds to. So we're, we're doing research now to characterize that more fully. Um, but that's, if I had to guess, that's what I would say. So you wouldn't just say, oh, five dollars is, I will have if I'll remember what Dan will say next. That's right. No, I think actually that kind of cold logical statement, that calculation, is not the thing that's that's having the impact. It's it's the emotional response. Okay. Um, other ideas about how can people? Is there anything about this that could help us improve our memory in general? Well, you know, when I when I started giving talks about this, there was a person who told me that his college roommate used to study for exams with a cigarette on the edge of her desk. And the cigarette was not a reward for any particular thing that she did. It was just there, keeping her happy while she studied. Um, so I, I would say that, <laughs> that if you can figure out how to induce that in yourself, then you're more likely to remember the information that you're studying. There are chemical ways as well. There are chemical ways. Well, maybe that's a, another discussion. Yeah. But so, so happiness, so basically arousal yeah. could, be, could be happy. So are you proposing like porn on the background? Uh, so that's been an experiment that we've discussed, but yeah, so the, I think one of the interesting things there are, um, for uh, people who are interested in learning is that it, the idea that they, uh, engaging these emotions prior to learning would have an impact frees you up from a lot of the assumptions that people make about what effective learning consists of. So we. Um, we all talk about how enthusiastic teachers are effective, and we assume it's because they have some argument about why their subject is important to study. Uh, and I think our work would suggest that it may just be the enthusiasm itself, and that it's contagious, and that it engenders in you this affective state that is um, that's good for learning. So any, if it's true, then that the brain is getting fertilized by this dopamine response, then any method of releasing dopamine in an appropriately um, temporal relationship to the learning should be effective. So yes, so porn, a cigarette, anything that gets you excited and makes you happy. That's great. Food at the beginning of your talk. <laughs> a smile on the face of the lecturer. Yeah, it could be remarkably easy, actually. That's, that's amazing. Uh, thank you very much. My pleasure. This has been Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast with Dan Ariely, Professor of Behavioral Economics at Duke University. Learn more at research.duke.edu.